Talk Zone presents Two Guys on a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys on a Mic on TalkZone.com. In addition to the sports talk today, we got a little seek and ye shall find. Hear ye, hear ye. Some news and notes, titillating tidbits off the sports page. We'll do that and more here. The big dog and the coach at your service right up until 11 o'clock. Two guys at a mic on a beautiful, I mean unseasonably beautiful, early January day here in the fine city of Chicago. Producer speaking of fine, David Olson, other side of the glass. He'll be helping us along the journey as we talk a little college football, bowl games yesterday, another bowl game today, a little recap from the weekend that was, some college hoop on the docket, and Chicago Bear fans, you can weigh in on the replacement of GM, the firing of Jerry Angelo, Mike Martz, and company. Always, of course, the great accompanying music of the TalkZone.com with our tremendous hit selection of uh, about two songs every three years. <laughs> nice to see David Olson, our producer, was hard at work adding to the music over the break. Uh, 888-463-6748. Phone lines will be open throughout the show. We are limited. We are handcuffed. We are shackled by a one-hour show. We're trying to get that changed other people are trying to limit us to more like 15 or 20 minutes, so maybe we should be thankful for the one hour we got. But we're here to talk some sports and more. Big dog and a coach. Let me welcome in my good partner via the telecommunicative phone lines out in Aurora, Illinois. Many people asking, Joel, when will you be back in studio live? You uh, told our video audience maybe once a week. Any chance you'd be coming in this week? How are you, buddy? Uh, yeah, most likely I would say Friday morning would be the Woo-hoo! would be the most. Likely, I don't think I'll be making it in today, nor tomorrow, Coach. Well, you know, it, it's you've been coming in about once every six months for the live webcast, so once a week would be a, a major improvement. If we could see you Friday, that would be an outstanding uh, assumption. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I did see the office over there at TogZone.com is just too crowded for me, Coach. I can only deal with uh, how hectic it is once a week. Of course, you are kidding and fully sarcastic here. We still haven't figured it. My starting my third year here, and there is, it's a huge place, a number of offices. We never see people working in there, big dog. There's a lot of rumors. There's a lot of things that we could come up with as to actually what goes on around here, most of which we probably shouldn't discuss over the air. But there's something happening here, and I can't quite figure it out. Now, uh, this place is originally, the talk zone is out of New York, Coach. Is that right? I couldn't tell you. Is that well, right, David Olson? I don't think so. Where did you get that idea? I thought it was a I thought it was a New York based company. I don't think so. Okay, so we're not what part of the five families in New York? No, no, no. I think we are. Okay, we're, we're we're part of the corporate nipple. We are part of the uh, you know Chicago's very own. Did you just say nipple? I believe I did. How did how, were you just trying to be funny? Does that word is that actually used in that in that way? Coach? No, you know what? I think I borrowed that from some other sports talk people. It's a bad host, but uh, yeah, it actually it, it, it is used. But uh, scintillating, scintillating, beginning to our show, big deal. Yeah, wonderful. I'm sure well, everybody's really, really into well, it. I and many of our female fans are excited out there that there's a chance we might see you via the live webcast on. Friday. Hopefully it'll be a football Friday. By the way, we got to congratulate not only David Olson, but 
caller or emailer, I should say, Swamp Rat, who also went 3-0 and on our Beat the Schmoes football picks over the New Year's weekend, and Swamp Rat has been doing quite well. Well, a, a bunch of small schools must have beat a Big Ten school. This is basically what happened. Yeah, he does tend to pick some of the obscure games, but uh, let me let me just go over his last seven weeks. And again, these are picks against the point spread, and people can email in on Beat the Schmoes Fridays here, uh, or any emails, and we read some of the fine emails over the air at Mike2Guys at AOL.com, M-I-C in the number two. Uh, against the spread, picking three games, going back seven weeks, Big Dog. This is emailer Swamp Rat, 2-1, 2-1, 3-0, 3 and 0, 1 and 2, there's your bump. 3 and 0, 3 and 0. Oh my goodness. 10 and 2, 13 and 2, 15 and 3 over the last 7 weeks. Oh, that's that's hot. That's 83% coach. That's incredible. And fuego. Sentinel. That, that that's pretty good yeah. right there. That calls for drug testing too. And he is well, picking some of the more obscure games. I'm sure he'll be more than happy to, to test any drug you gave him, Coach. <laughs> He's a little bit too anxious for the drug testing, yeah. huh? Yeah, Bring yeah, it on, does. baby. Bring it on. He's uh, not exactly sure about the actual yeah. meaning of drug test. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm proud of you, Big Dog. The last three drug tests you have passed, I think that's a personal best for you. Three in a row, I think you're on the right track, and uh, most of our listeners and myself would clearly credit Lily the Lilac for the uh, solid turn of events in your particular life. Oh, without question, I would have to say she's uh, at the forefront of that. But I thought it strange that I had to take three drug tests within an hour, Coach. Ah. Luckily, I did pass all those. That must have been at another location. I don't think uh, the talk zone was responsible for that. Oh, no, I have more to go through. That might have been at the Heavenly Massage, I think, and I don't think that was official drug testing. But uh, how is Lily the Lilac? Had a good, uh, a good New Year's, Lily the Lilac, the new female persuasion of the big dog? Everything good? Oh, I got to tell you something, Coach. I, I had a phenomenal New Year's. I, you know, we did talk about how we were, you know, I stayed like local, low key, doing that stuff for uh-huh. New Year's. Phenomenal, Coach. Good stuff going on. <laughs> no outdoor adventures. No, uh, no trouble you got into because you know every weekend I do look and especially, especially New Year's weekend I do check the crime report. Actually, the obituaries first, crime report second, and you, I didn't see your name at least. No, no, Coach, you, you have been at a point that ever since Lily a lot, like I'm straightened up. Well, if anybody's listening to the programs, you know the stuff that I get involved with in the past. Well, mm-hmm. this past weekend, I had her mini Dachshund out here. You know those tiny wiener dogs? Well, this is the mini version of them. Action. The, the things yep. like the size of my hand. Dachshund. Yep. Yeah, mini Dachshund. I don't want to well, get Lily had... the Lilac mad at me, but I'm not a big fan of the Dachshund. Okay, well, i got to tell you, the mini Dachshund are the ones that you need to be fans of, Coach. Not really. Because we went, we went walking through the woods on the ferry path, and I, I was watching the dog go hunt squirrels and rabbits. Didn't catch anything, mm-hmm. but without question, that, that's basically the highlight of my weekend. So, <laughs> woo! A so New Year's weekend as well, boy. She is changing your persona. That's a that's a rather dramatic turn. Now, the mini Dachshund is that like one of those little purse dogs? Because those things really bother me. Uh, no, I'm I'm serious. And you know what the funny thing is that. Dog ate something it shouldn't have ate. First, first and foremost, if anybody has ever had a Phil's pizza on the south side of Chicago, it is absolutely phenomenal. Okay, and for thirty bucks, you can get an extra large. It's less than thirty, but for delivered and the tip and everything, you get this massive pizza. And if you order sausage on a thin crust, they'll put like a half an inch of, of sausage across the pizza. It is and it tastes perfect. Well, anyway, I eat about a third of the pizza, extra large. 
walk out of the room. Next thing you know, this mini Dustin first dog had finished all the cheese oh. and sausage on the oh. whole entire pizza, a t- two-thirds of a filled extra large, which when I explained it to my roommates and they saw the dog, they were like, you were lying to me. There's no way the dog ate it. Okay, and it did. All right. Well, the next day, the dog had eaten, like, uh, was outside and had eaten, like, rat poison or something Ooh, like clean that. Clean up so, on I-04, please. Clean up on well, I-04, or if you know a good carpet cleaner, please give us a call. Well, Lily goes to Asia, and next thing you know, the dog is, like, dying, okay? So her sister has to spend $3,000 on a hospital bill, and it wasn't the Phil's pizza. Luckily, it was the it was the, the rat poison, and we're, we're thinking that if it didn't have so much food in its system, it might have not been diluted, and it would have killed him. Wow. And I was thinking, three thousand dollars for that dog. But you're right, Coach. I can get at least ten grand for that dog in, in some rich woman's purse. <laughs> at least a seven thousand dollar profit. <laughs> well, as you said, she's also spent about two thousand. Yeah. I mean, this girl. First of all, she needs some uh, animal insurance. Yeah. Can you? It's, it's only like twenty five bucks a month. These bills for these. That's. I, well, I, what are you going to tell them? I, you I gotta, can't afford to pay for your. You know what I mean? You're not familiar with pedicure. Well, I, I am now. After hearing a three thousand dollar bill for a dog oh, yeah. the size of my hand. Yeah, animals animals can uh, suck up the uh, the pocketbook very very quickly, and, and health problems just like human beings. And I do highly recommend uh, Illinois' finest pedicure system for uh, not grooming, but this is the animal version of Medicare, and it's called Pedicare. And you, I'll give you one eight hundred number at some point during the show. Okay, that that would be really nice. So uh, she is going to really taking care of all that because the dog is pretty cool. But I was just shocked. Like, yeah. wow, three grand. Yeah, I don't like dachshunds. Those things are weird little annoying dogs. Yes, Dave. Well, he, he, this, no, I'm telling you, this one is extremely charming, Coach. If you see this yeah. thing run after a squirrel, you will laugh so hard. Oh, my goodness. So, okay. yeah, I, I would have to say that I'm not a big dog person at all, let alone any type of dog. So I like dogs just as long as they're not mine. Yeah, Dave. There is, you know, you were joking, but there is pet health insurance. Yes. There is. It's, it's a very, very lucrative business, too. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, so. I think if I had a pet, I would go that route, no doubt about it. Now, on the opposite end of it, Big Dog, did you see the story? Uh, I don't know what we're doing. Animal stories all of a sudden. Got to break down the Bears firing Jerry Angelo. Big bowl game yesterday, college hoop. But uh, not yesterday, the day before. Tragic story, I think right here in the city of Chicago, where guys jogging... I don't think it was the lakefront, but one of your local parks and two pit bulls. Did you read the story? No, I did not hear this. Two pit bulls came out and attacked him, one in particular going after him. Some neighbor or some nearby guy heard the commotion, came out with his baseball bat, started slugging the pit bulls with the base pit bulls with the baseball bat. He said it made no difference at all. They kept mauling the guy. Finally the police got him away. The poor gentleman is in critical condition the pit bulls on the attack coach that is that is scary a wild animal attacking you and especially oh. two this might sound crazy you get one animal attacking a grown man like a, a pit bull you can maybe choke the dog get one off you but two you're not going to get two pit bulls off of you that's oh my that's horrible that's, those dogs can bite so hard that they can break your uh, like yeah. your forearm bones, yeah, your radius, and your ulna and stuff. Oh. They can crack those bones. That's how okay. strong there, those dogs bite. There are many, many horrible ways to go, but getting slowly just chewed apart by a vicious pit bull. Not to get disgustingly gruesome here, but we are getting disgustingly gruesome. That's got to be one of the worst possible ways to uh, to die, big dog. And hopefully yeah, this guy right. will be all right, but he is in critical condition. 
and I will bet you, just with human instinct, he could have fought one dog off. You can't fight two dogs off. It's impossible. Well, well, you're getting they're, one they're, off. They're, they're another one is I, I doubt he could have fought one off. It was a, he was a full-grown pit bull, 70 pounds, solid muscle. Have you ever seen those things? Yeah, I get it. And, and, and the guy, I'm the guy, right the guy was in right his, mid, the guy was in his mid fifties too. Yeah. Oh, okay. And a baseball bat hitting the, the, you know, their their focus, their intensities when these intensity when these pit bulls go on the attack, getting slugged by a baseball bat and it didn't affect them one bit. He just kept on biting. It's like not only their strength and their size, it's the intensity upon which they attack, big dog. Uh, it's not often, but when they do, it's vicious. You know, I, I have no problem with somebody training dogs to be vicious if that's what you want to do. But if you have trained dogs that are vicious, you had better take perfect care of those animals. Yep. Uh, that's ridiculous, Coach. Yeah, the the owner left the back gate open. That's how they got ridiculous. out. Ouch. They weren't restrained in the yard. Not a good thing. So if it was adoption, that's fine, but not a pit bull. i tell you something. If, if uh, Lily the Lilac Dotson named QQ... Got a hold of you, coach. You're done. <laughs> What's the name? Kutsu? QQ. Oh, as boy. in the two letters Q-Q. of Q. Oh boy. Q. Now, now it went from annoying to like almost. <laughs> I don't know. I love Lily the Lilac. Haven't met her, but I thoroughly appreciate it. But uh, you know, when we go QQ in the Dachshun, we've gone one step too far, sir. <laughs> it's a mini Dachshun. Uh, even worse. There's a difference, coach. I don't like those little miniature dogs. All right, big dog. Let's get between a wiener dog and a mini wiener dog. Trust that's, me. that's what they all. There's say. a man right here who knows. Yeah, I'll bet. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Let's get down to the business at hand. Two guys and a mic. Big dog and a coach. Right up until eleven o'clock here. Uh, big dog. Some action last night in college football. Got to talk about that. We got a Bulls game, but and I don't want to overanalyze it as many of our Chicago sports talk shows and newspapers yeah. have done. I'm kind of nauseated out by it, quite frankly, by now, if any of our listeners want to call in, uh, feel free. We'll, we'll discuss it, 888-463-6748. But Jerry Angelo is gone. Mike Martz is gone. The, the quarterback coach, I think Shane Day, is gone. I don't know if you watched the press conference or not. I thought they handled it very classily. Ted mm-hmm. Phillips and George McCaskey. But bottom line is, we're looking for a new GM and a new O coordinator. Your thought? Uh. Well, yesterday, I, I think I was touching on it while, uh, when, uh, when Dave brought up the fact that we were the first to announce, you know that coach. Because yeah. when that was put up, the Mike Marks thing was put up by the Chicago Bears website. David Olsen had, they had just clicked on us. So we were the first people in the world to announce outside of the Chicago Bears. Not so just sure about that. You know that for, for the first time ever, yeah. I'm just going to go out there and lie and just say it. Yeah, I'm not so sure that's correct, but we'll roll with it. Okay, well, I was I, like I said, I lied about that, so well, I just want to go with that. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, uh, I'm all I've been asking for Marks to go, so in some way, I am just so happy for the organization about that. Now, who you get to replace Angelo? Angelo did a decent job. He's not as horrible as everybody said, but it was time for him to go. You know, that's that's what the organization wants. We'll definitely give it to him. Now, when it comes to Marks. The biggest complaint I've heard about him going is, oh, no, now Jay Cutler has to learn a new system. Well, I could care less because the old system meant he was on his back for every other pass play, which we cannot no longer have as a, as a team as the Chicago Bears. And if you don't want him to learn anything, if those people want that, I would have no problem them sliding Mike Tice over as their offense coordinator. And, and Coach, I, I think you'll understand that Mike Tice probably could use the same exact like numbering system 
and whole new terminology. So color doesn't have to learn that. Just call the plays that involve tight ends staying in the block and you know, or just come up with those plays and, and, and name them the same numbering system. Do you know what I mean? So they don't have to relearn everything. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it makes total sense. And I think uh, a lot of Bear fans would not be uh, totally upset. I mean, some are looking for, you know, the – the miracle to come in or the excitement of somebody in from the outside. But I think most fans uh, appreciate Mike Tice. He did a, you know, head coaching. He had his struggles, but as an offensive coordinator with our arch rival, the Minnesota Vikings, he did a pretty good job, did he not, Doug? Well, um, Brian Billick was the old coordinator when they were incredible. So, don't, you know what I mean? That's not like, don't think Mike Tice was there when it was, uh, when, when they scored the most points ever in the history of the NFL, that was Brian Billick. So, mm-hmm. But, uh, but I, I, I don't know if he was ever the offensive coordinator at Minnesota. He was definitely an offensive assistant during the 1998 year when that was the greatest. I mean, that, that team was just incredible. But I'm with you, Coach. I have no problem with Mike Tice being an offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And, and do it that way. You can have a whole new philosophy and everything. Just keep the numbering and play calling the same. Add the plays you want because I, I just don't want these guys – just having to relearn a whole new offense in the off season, you know what I mean. I I want Johnny Knox when he comes back healthy, working on his footwork, not trying to figure out where he's going to line up and where he's going to be in the Mike Mertz offense, which supposedly is so freaking sophisticated. <laughs> Same numbering system, but dumb it down. And it, it, it could be that simple. Next year, the Bears can just go out there and hopefully. Well, they do need a playmaker, and I don't think they're getting Justin Blackman. So I don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, I think next year, unless major changes happen, Coach, we're looking at the Bears trying to hope that, uh, you know, Jay Cutler could uh, make a couple throws a game and we can get a return touchdown by our defense or Devin Hester, and that's how the Bears are going to try to win again next year. By the way, at this point. Our accountant said the same thing when he looked at our uh, finances at the end of the year, Big Doug. uh, Same numbers, just dumb it down. (laughs) Sadly, it was very effective. Yes, Dave. Uh, Mike Tice has never been an offensive coordinator. Never. Never. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's been an offensive lines coach, uh, line coach, and a tight ends coach, and a head coach, and a head coach. Okay. Obviously, mm-hmm. did he did he call the? I don't think he called the plays when he was the Vikings. I don't think he did either. Okay. I don't think. He no, did. The, the dumbest thing he did as the Vikings uh, uh, head coach was he came. We're going to do the Randy ratio, and forty percent of our throws have to go to Randy Moss. And then after that, it really seemed like. The quarterback tried to force it to Randy Moss all the time, and then that, that was like the downfall of the Minnesota Vikings, if you remember that. Yep. But I think he's learned a little bit. From, Any chance from, if he takes over the Bears' offensive play call and that he will have the Dane ratio, where at least yeah. 35% of the passes must go to number 18, Dane Sonsenbacher. Or less than 5% of the passes <laughs> go towards that. There might be, it might be something like that. Or who do he have the Forte ratio? Uh, that goes back Where's to your the theory of uh, we look at the numbers, we just dumb it down. Yeah, exactly. 51% of our touches have to be made by Matt Forte until he breaks. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see. The the hunt will be on, bringing a general manager. Now, there's a lot of controversy, um, and again, much of it made up by some of the media yahoos out there. Definitely overload by our Chicago media on this whole thing. But in the press conference, you know, uh, was it, I think Ted Phillips made the statement, we're going to bring in a GM and we're going to, you know, he's going to have this, he's going to have this. One of the things he mentioned is we want to make sure his philosophy is, uh, you know, in line with Lovey Smith. And, of course, all the media right off the bat, oh, Lovey's controlling things, Lovey's running the show. How are you going to get a good GM to come in if he has to follow Lovey Smith? I thought much ado about nothing, but, what, I'm, what you know, what do I know? I'm just I know, a guy I who likes to dumb it down. I think what those people are trying to say was, 
they need big, fat defensive tackles. Uh, basically, you have to have a great defensive line, and you're going to have to have defensive backs that play cover two style defense. The people who question that are more—they're not saying you must cow cow to Lovey Smith's entire like uh, being as a coach. What he meant was they got to bring in guys that know that you have to get cover two style defensive players. Mm-hmm. Now, offensively, Lovey Smith needs to keep his mouth shut because I don't—they just need guys that can continue to get first downs. On third down and put the ball in the end zone. I don't care which, what type of philosophy, whether it's passing, running, touch football, hopscotch, whatever they can get to get a guy that can do that consistently, coach, I'm all for. Yeah. And, and let's make sure we throw the football a little bit. Throw the football down the field. We don't on, want to get too. On first con- down. How about that? On first down. Yep. With yep. the coach, when I played, when I, obviously it was Max Bond, like the lower levels, but I knew when I was playing against a team that, I didn't have to worry about the pass whatsoever. Just all run. I tee off on those people. Mm-hmm. Or was the other way. The Bears need to throw on first down. On and, first and, and they did that better. It was one of the things we enjoyed when they brought Mike Martin and not the vanilla Ron Turner. The guys before him, John Shoops and Terry O'Shea, were just incompetent. Ron Turner wasn't incompetent. He was just plain. Uh, Mike Marsh did bring in, you know, throwing the ball on first down, throwing the ball downfield. I appreciated that. The only thing that I haven't seen that I would like to see more of, Big Dog, is a little bit of creativity. And we mentioned this somewhere about two-thirds of the way through the Bears season. When is the last time you saw the Bears try a trick play? Uh, well, uh, in their special teams, they do it consistently. That's different. Yeah, they do it consistently They've in their special teams. Pulled off one of the greatest trick play. I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say this. One of the greatest trick plays uh, in the history of the NFL on special teams. Hey. And if you think about it, you said the greatest trick play. So if people don't know what we're talking about, the Johnny Knox, Devin Hester uh, return against uh, the Packers. You would say, oh, it must be so intricate. But no, no, all that, Devin, you just think, like, if you see a ball way to a sideline, go to the other sideline and act like you're going to yeah. catch the ball. Look, look up it, in it, the it's air. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that, Coach. It was perfect. And you got a YouTube, but if you haven't seen most of our fans, I think, have. But, of course, the ball's on the opposite end of the field. Standing by himself is Johnny Knox, and he catches it and runs almost uncontested down the field as all the tacklers are heading to Devin Hester, who's got his head up, looking in the sky for the fake football. Of course, a penalty call ruined the whole thing. But still, uh, again, I don't think I exaggerate when I can say that's one of the greatest trick plays pulled off in NFL history. Aaron Rodgers said it was the greatest play he'd ever seen when the game was done. (laughs) He was like, I'm like, what's going on? He's like, I noticed Johnny Knox run right past us. I'm like, what the heck? And then I turned him in the end zone celebrating. You know, the, you know that was a horrible call by the official because there was no hole. There was no nothing. It's it's too bad. And I loved, it was it Corey Graham? I forget who got called for it, but whatever Bear was, was like, you know what? I didn't hold, but I shouldn't even have been in a position to have the referee even think I was doing something. Because he's like, he knew he was nowhere near the play or anything like that. Yep. So he was like, I was just trying to act like I was blocking. <laughs> so that's that's too bad. Yeah, uh, but just like we're saying, you think it was intricate, and it was just, hey, just run over there when the ball's kicked to a corner. Getting back to the uh, Lovey, you know, the the overhype, but oh my goodness, Lovey Smith's going to be controlling things, and how can we not bring a good GM in? There is a, a rather humorous cartoon in the Chicago Tribune today. It's got Lovey sitting like the king in a king's chair, and then it's got the Chicago Bears organization, organizational chart above him. 
And on top is Lovey Smith. The next line is Lovey's kids, Lovey's wife, and Lovey's extended family. The next line, Lovey's friends, Lovey's gardener, Lovey's dog. The next line, Lovey's paper boy, Lovey's coaching staff. And then comes Ted Phillips, the new GM, and Jay Cutler on the very bottom. Thank you very much. Yeah, I don't think it's that bad. No. Come on. No. It's not. It's not that bad. And it's, it's going to be all right. As a Chicago Bears fan, there's a lot that needs, that needs to be had, Coach. A lot. But it's funny is that they have so many good key pieces that are in plain prime time football. I think Erlacher is going to be fine next year, come back healthy. And it was only got like two or three more years left. Someone's only got two or three more years left, and Pepper's only has two or three more years left. But and same with Briggs. But I, I do think that they're going to be extremely productive, continuing in the next season. And if Cutler's thumb is all right, they're not that far away, Coach. As long, well, if Cutler gets hurt again next year, then our season's done. Even though I do think we have a backup quarterback in Josh McCown. Well, two comments on that. One, uh, you know, I think the Bears. It, it's a little bit of a quandary for the new GM coming in. And again, Bears fans listening in here, you want to chime in on the. Uh, organizational restructuring of the Chicago Bears. Your thoughts, 888-463-6748. Love to hear from you. Big Dog and the Coach talking sports and more here on the Two Guys at a Mic Show. But it, it's a challenge, Big Dog, because, yes, you've got a solid defense and you've got some core pieces there, and you have to rebuild a lot of the offense, wide receivers, backup quarterback, at this point probably a backup running back, and offensive line. Now, you got to build that up, but, like you said, the defense is going to start to break apart a little bit at the foundation in a couple of years. So you yeah, have yeah. to you have to address fairly soon, starting to draft some younger players who can in two or three or four years take over. So a little bit of a challenge. You got to rebuild the offense immediately, but you know you you all of a sudden can't find yourself high and dry on the defensive side. So I think that's a a bit of a quandary for our next GM. And, uh, the GM who comes in knows that Levy Smith has two years remaining, and he probably looks around and he sees Brian Urlacher, Charles Simmons, and Lance Briggs with two years remaining also. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I will build for the next two years around the cover two, Tampa and Levy Smith, and the fact that might as well play this defense if we have Brian Urlacher control in the middle of the field because at the Tampa two with Brian Urlacher in the middle is about as good of a defense as we can play right now. And then, oh, don't forget, Lance Briggs at the weak side backer. So, uh, you know, if you think about them, why are you, why are you kowtowing to Lovey's philosophy? Well, he's the coach for the next two years. And by the way, the cover two with Brian Erlacher is about as good of a defense as we can play. And don't forget, we do get a decent pass rush, rushing four, considering we have Julius Peppers. So those people getting all upset about that are just people that want to bitch when they write. <laughs> And really, that's all it is. Well, but let me complaining. Am I getting an implication from you that uh, the new general manager, that the emphasis is going to be on basically, hey, let's just try and win the next two years, and there's not going to be a whole lot of forethought, foresight after the two years because of the well, contract? No, 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 I'm not saying that. What? No, 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 I'm not saying okay. that whatsoever, but that's, that's how you build your plan. You know, like you have to. Con- when you're building a team, if anybody only thinks about one or two years ahead of time, is really, really dumb. But you got to say, okay, how do we build our team around these players to win for the next two years? And also with our draft picks and our free agents, how do we try to set up to replace every – oh, forget just Erlacher and, and, and Peppers and Briggs and Tillman, how to replace everybody. Yeah, but sometimes – 
You also have to get a playmaker at wide receiver. You have to make sure your offensive line is actually legitimate. You know, there's a lot going on, Coach. This job, the Bears' job right now, Angelo didn't exactly leave it in perfect shape. You know what I mean? It's funny because sometimes you come in and you're like, oh, well, how much does a team, a GM have to do to, well, this guy has to do a lot this season. Bring it down to brash reality. Uh, you are drafting Joel, and you know your name is one of many being bandied about as a potential general manager. If you're thinking outside the box, I think the big dog, Joel Radwanski, played the game. You've studied the game. You know the game. You're certainly a candidate. I wouldn't put you at the top of the line, but you are a candidate. Reality. Uh, you know, it's easy to say. You know, let's build up the you know backup defense while we're you know building up our offense for the current. But sometimes you can't do both. All right, uh, here comes the draft, and you've got to, uh, let's say you can draft a kid that you think is going to be a good, solid backup quarterback, which we need. Okay, do you take him? Or there is a linebacker from Utah A&I who you project in two or three years, this guy is going to be the next Lance Briggs. He could be a backup, and he could fill in, but we need the backup quarterback for next year. You're the general manager, Mr. Joel Radwanski. You can't do both. you got to make the call. Which way you go? I, I I'm going to go with the the linebacker because because here's why if if Cutler goes down next year that kid that you're talking about that I'm going to draft isn't going to be ready anyways and our season is going to be our season is going to be pretty much crap and, and to be yeah. to be honest with you I think Josh McCown from the beginning of the season would be a decent backup so I'll I'll go with the guy if I'm going to get an all an all pro, a couple, like Lance Briggs has been all pro like at least twice. He's been Pro Bowl six times. I, I will definitely take that uh, type mm-hmm. of production. Okay, and I'll be, be paying him a lot less. All right, well, let me just make a couple of comments on that. One, I think if we go in the next year, and this would apply to any team, but I happen to be a Bear fan, so it applies to the Bear. And you go in with the mental philosophy that if your starting quarterback gets injured. We are in trouble and probably not going to make the play. If you go in with that philosophy, uh, A. Well, if you go with the rookie, yes. If you Josh you know, McCown, no, I don't feel that way. Whatever like it is, there, there's Josh this McCown. pervasive attitude around Chicago now that if Cutler goes down, the Bears are going to be in trouble. You have to, and again, not just the Bears, any team. You have to assume, don't be caught by surprise. Assume that your starting quarterback is going to get injured. You have to have a team good enough that your backup quarterback can step in and you can still make the playoffs if your quarterback stays healthy for 16 games. This is my philosophy. That's a bonus. I think you got a plan for winning with a backup quarterback. Call me crazy. I, I think you're just taking a cheap shot at me and a, a chance to make me look bad because I, I, I think everybody in Chicago, especially me, the day that Caleb Haney started at quarterback, was like, you know what, hey, next man up, let's get it done, Caleb Haney. I was, I was uh, one of the first so to say that. Okay, so let's not act like I was that way, but let's be real now and realize that the Bears are in a situation where if you really think they'd be better off and have a better chance of continuing to win with a rookie rather than with Josh McCown, I, well, I guess if are you talking like a no, fourth I, or fifth round pick? You're not. I, I wasn't. I wasn't pick. even. I wasn't going back to our example. I was kind of moving on just to an overall philosophy okay. that uh, you you can't just you know oh my goodness Cutler and gets injured next year we're done again. I don't want to live that dangerously. I don't want to be walking on nails all season long. And I'll go one step further. I'll go one step further. And, you know, right now, you know, Jay Cutler is, you know, the B.O. and end-all. Okay? And let me just add this. He's been with the team for three years. He missed half of the season. Let me remind 
our beloved Chicago Bear fans, which include you and Lily the Lilacs Doction. Mini Doction. Yeah, thank you, Mini. Things really annoying. Um, that prior to the last four or five games, the, his first two years, and yes, early this season, first four or five games this season, Jay Cutler was being criticized by a lot of Bear fans. He was not playing that well. His attitude stunk, and he threw a lot of interceptions. Last four or five games, let's hope it's a trend. He absolutely became the quarterback we thought. But that was only for four or five games, Big Doe. So maybe we've got too much expectations in the wonder kid, Jay Cutler, as well. No, no, yeah, that's, you're exactly right about that. You, you couldn't. That's 100% right. I do believe in the kid. And, and that's I, we're going to have to go with him as a weekend. I kind of have to assume he's a number one quarterback. <laughs> Because there's so many issues with the Bears that you're just going to have to lay cross your fingers and hope that the the Cutler of the last five games that he before the injury was the guy who figured it out and that's what you're going to be getting when he comes back. Because if if they can't go out and like do anything else at the quarterback position, so we're going to have to cross our fingers and hope it's all right. Mm-hmm. All right, let's. That, stick- that's as simple as that. No, there's no doubt about it. Let's stick to football a little bit. Talk the college football variety game last night, the Sugar Bowl. The Big Ten in bad need of a victory. The Michigan Wolverines came through. They knocked off Virginia Tech 23-20 to in overtime. I don't know if you have watched this game, dog. I watched the fourth quarter of the game, and I had some issues with it, particularly the way it ended. I was rooting for Michigan, but I felt very empty at the end of it. Did you see the Sugar Bowl? No, no, I, I haven't got to watch it yet, Coach. Uh, I was watching the Bulls game and having dinner at a friend's house, and, uh-huh. and then the, the okay. fight came on, and... Didn't get to see it, but uh, I did see the highlights. And I'm before you get in, I want, do want to find out what made you sick to your stomach. I, I just will say this: if you're, anybody sees Denard Robinson out gambling, could you please get me there so I can gamble on exactly what he is? Because he is the luckiest sob on the planet. He closes his eyes when he plays quarterback coach. Yep. Okay. Throws the ball in the air, jumps up and down, and spins in circles, and crosses his finger and says hope, hope, hope. And then guess what happens? The guys. Make miraculous catch after catch and score touchdowns. <laughs> and this isn't just last night's yeah. game. Have you ever seen uh, the, the Michigan receivers? The first thing that Denver, the Denver Broncos need to do is go to Michigan, University of Michigan, talk to these receivers and really figure out. If, because that's the type of guy they need at Denver with, with Tim Tebow. A guy that's only going to get two or three passes thrown a game, and when they do, they're so upset that they haven't had the ball thrown to them all game, no matter where the ball is, they knock down everyone around and go catch the ball because they know they're only going to get one or two passes a game thrown to them. It, Am I wrong about Michigan's receiver? That kid Hemingway is unreal, Coach. You're right about that. Denard Robinson, now that you mention he is the uh, the roulette wheel of college football quarterback, <laughs> and you're talking about the catch in the back of the end zone? Oh, the, the, the what about the catch up the sidelines that Hemingway made? Do you know that he was on the sidelines? The kid from Virginia Tech is intercepting the ball. He somehow sneaks his hands between his, the other guy's hands and rips the ball out and runs up the sideline for like a 70-yard gain. And Denard uh, Robinson, you know, he's three for five on the drive. Yeah, he, Three of the passes should have been intercepted. Unreal. Unreal. He's got a strong arm. Now, the one part of his game that's not lucky is his running. I mean, he is a, a splendid. He's a returner at quarterback. Yeah. His ability to make people miss, his quickness, his agility, his cutback ability, somewhere, somehow there's got to be a place for him in the National Football League. Maybe not as a major factor, but just on his running ability alone, I would think uh, 
you know, he'll be a weapon for some team. Maybe Struckley is a kick returner. I don't know if he's ever done it, but he'd be great at it. He, he definitely is kick return at one point in his life. Devin Hester ran a 4.4140 at the Combine. Donald Robinson ran a 4.32. You're not at the Combine, but where whenever he got taped, he got uh, the new book Sports Science for ESPN just did a breakdown on the kid, and basically I was left saying the kid's an absolute freak of nature. And if the Bears have a chance to actually put him on the roster somewhere, mm-hmm. they need to. Because that's a kid that you can throw a screen to out of the backfield. You can you can kick, punt, return, and all of a sudden that trick play that you're talking about, you put him on the field, the next thing you know, he closes his eyes and throws it down the field, and by then the Bears will have a guy like Alshon Jeffrey can go up and get it and, and rip it out of there. Sounds like you're talking about Slash Antoine Randall with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here's what made me mad about the game. Michigan, by the way, winning in overtime, saving a little face for the Big Ten, which really took a beating over the uh, – uh, New Year's weekend, but uh, the game went overtime, big dog. And well, two things bothered me. First and foremost, the Virginia Tech receiver. Did you see the replay of the touchdown catch in overtime that was overruled? Oh, the the, the, the number nineteen kid, yep. the West Welker looking kid, making yep. that one handed catch. Sensation. How they overturn that? I that's, I don't know how they overturn it. Though. That's why. Again, I was rooting for Michigan because I wanted the Big Ten to save some face, but I felt completely. Empty at the end of the game. I thought the announcers way underplayed it. The guy made, and you got to YouTube it if you haven't seen it. Just a phenomenal stretch out the body, one-handed catch. Clearly kept his feet in bounds. Had his arms, you know, the elbows tucked. Did the ball hit the ground or not? There, you know, he clearly held on through the length of the catch. And then you show the replay, and you look at it like twelve different times. Did the ground help the possession or not? I think this is a case, big dog, where you can overanalyze it you know what in the course of play you watch it live the guy made the catch and they did overanalyze it and they turned it um they overturned it called it a no touchdown catch and i thought that was a gross injustice to virginia tech they end out losing the game you you know what it's funny i could not believe they overturned it the whole thing it has to be inconclusive evidence right indisputable definitely Uh, not indisputable i couldn't agree more with you on that and if Considering the game went into overtime, I would have to say that was a pretty important play, Coach. Oh, yeah. Cost him the game. Yeah. Cost him the game. And then, you know, and I'll continue my minor negativity on the sport of football in that, again, here comes a, you know, three-hour and 15-minute battle between two really good college football teams. And in overtime, the two field goal kickers come out. One guy misses. The other guy makes it. Michigan wins. So it came down to... A couple of five foot ten inch guys. Yeah, and uh, you know the, the Virginia Tech the, the situation. I don't know if you know know this, but that was the third string kicker. Oh, the the number two kicker who was uh, who was actually you know going to do the duties this week. He was sent home for uh, breaking curfew, and Beamer sent him home on a bus and made a pamphlet. They show this. This is hilarious. I hope you see this. But it, the the pamphlet said one day, two hours, thirty seven minutes. 917 miles. Don't be late. <laughs> Basically, that's how long the bus ride was home for the kid. Instead uh-huh. of put him on the plane, he put him on a bus. Put him in a bus ticket. Just for missing for, curfew. For missing curfew. Yeah. And just let you know, the number one kicker, Coach, the reason why the Uh-oh. number two was going to start anyways, uh, breaking and entering burger. Uh-huh. So, felony, breaking and entering. Dave, you've seen the uh, the videos of girls gone wild? 
You want to see even even a better video, Kickers Breaking Curfew. It's not as well known, but Big Dog, I'm telling you, get that baby. It's enjoyment for you and the whole family. You get you get felon, uh, felonious kickers down in New Orleans, Coach. <laughs> Magic can happen. So oh, the third kicker, let, let's face it, the guy who played, he kicked, he did all right yesterday. You know what I mean for being the third third string kicker. Uh-huh. Can't blame him. He had a couple big kicks for Virginia Tech. Kickers breaking curfew. By the way, it does have a forward by a young Sebastian Janikowski, who well, was he, uh, he was pretty wild in his younger days, was he not? Yeah, but you know when you're walking around with date rape drugs, it's a little weird. Isn't Take it? it easy. Well, he was the one busted with it. Allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to get in trouble here. Sebastian knows people. He has people here in the city, and I would prefer to go out to my car and uh, not have the possibility Uh, of having my head slammed in. How would a guy by the name of Janikowski know anybody in the city of Chicago? Yeah, my point exactly. My point exactly. By the way, uh, I don't know that I'll be watching. I'll probably tune in the fourth quarter, see if it's close. But the uh, what is the, what is it? The Orange Bowl today? Clemson? Yes, yeah, fourth bowl. Taking on West fourth Virginia. Uh, basically, get your calculator out. This one's going to be a high-scoring affair. Two of the best quarterbacks playing uh, some of the coolest offenses and open offenses to watch in football, and the best professional prospect in all of college football besides Andrew Luck. Sammy Watkins is in the game, and the kid's only a freshman, and he would probably go number two overall if he could leave. Uh, he's a right wide receiver for the Clemson Tiger? He's a wide receiver for Clemson Tiger, and you know how everybody says Justin Blackman? Yep. It looks like Terrell Owens, and he runs and he plays like Terrell Owens, except he's a good guy. He's not team obliterator. You know, like shine the light on me. I want to destroy <laughs> our chemistry of the team. Well, yeah. uh, Sammy Watkins is Randy Moss without the all the arrests. Mm-hmm. And the kid's a freshman. And if, so if you have a chance, people watch the Clemson game tonight. And there's going to be a guy, all he does is run up the sidelines and wave his hands because he's wide open on every play. Well, they're going to get him the ball about five times. And it's, coach, he's just ridiculous. He's, fun, he's the most fun guy to watch in college football right now. I, I have not seen Clemson football really outside of a few highlights. Haven't seen the kid play. Their quarterback's pretty exciting, right? Is it, uh, it's Taj Boyd? Taj Boyd. Yep. Taj Boyd, who at the beginning of the year, when everybody was like, man, Clemson looks like they can win the ACC and possibly go undefeated, he didn't turn the ball over at all. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he just had like two games where he had like five interceptions in both of them. So like, mm-hmm. with all of his mistakes he made in two games this year, and it was both their losses, Coach. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, Clemson's pretty good. And Dabo Sweeney, that's, he's my, he's my <laughs> next uh, man crush as a coach. You know, so, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've already got over Les Miles. I still love him, but. Anybody, the, anybody by the game, uh, by the name of Dabo Sweeney has to be a good coach. Uh, uh, Dabo Sweeney was a DB on the Alabama teams in the early 90s when they, well, Alabama was always dominant, but those teams won a national championship. And, mm-hmm. uh, or, yeah, I just love his attitude. He's like one of those guys that's just like totally fiery yet positive. That's just my type of coach. I think my he type. was named after a cleaning product by the Ron Popeil uh, Corporation. Uh, by the way, the Ron yes. Popeil, that guy's got to shut up. You know, my couch is so comfortable that every single night if I'm watching football on it, I fall asleep on it. Mm-hmm. And then at 3.30, ESPN puts on their paid programming <laughs> or the History Channel, and Ron Popeil comes up, and that dude's screams. Okay, How old mouth? is Ron Popeil oh. now? He's got to be like an upper 70s, low 80s. Yeah, but they're still using the same commercial from 1982, <laughs> so he hasn't aged for me at all. It's the Popeil Pocket Fisherman. It dices, it slices, it cuts hands, ears, fingers, toes. Available at supermarkets near you. 
And now, along with it, you buy that, we'll throw in a free Dabo Sweeney. This thing will clean up carpets. It'll clean up floors in one easy sweep. The Dabo Sweeney, available in supermarkets near you. Actually, were you the one who told me there, there's an actual store for all of these? Um, oh, yeah, it's called, in. I don't know if there's one up in your neck of the woods, uh, Old Orchard or whatever, but out here in uh, Fox Valley, <laughs> yep. there's a show, and the name of this is, I mean, there's an, a store, and it's called as seen on TV. There you go. Go in there, and every mm-hmm. single freaking product you've ever seen on a commercial that you're like, <laughs> well, I want to get that, but I don't want to give my credit card to some dude in India uh-huh. and then have it sent to me. Well, you can just walk in there and purchase it from a guy from India right there. I like it. So it's I like it. As mm-hmm. seen on TV. That's the name of the stars. Kim Kardashian available by any chance because she's seen a lot uh-huh. on TV. Uh, the coach just... She's been seen enough, and the tapes are magnificent. And, oh, my goodness, you, you well, do have to have the wide-angle lens on that particular. Take it uh, easy. Take it easy. If you do bring home if you do bring home a Kim Kardashian, by the way, make sure. Make sure you first that you clean it with a Dabo Sweeney. What? I don't even want don't even give a that turn I just don't know the fascination. I don't know the fascination. All right. Well, no. you know what? Let's not add to the fascination. Yeah. Moving on real quick. Uh, college basketball. Big dog, you can't see it via the live webcast here, but I do have my Northwestern hat with me today. I've got my Northwestern sweatshirt as there's a uh, fairly good Big Ten game right here in the fine city of Chicago today. Six o'clock to be exact. Your fighting line. I take on my Northwestern Wildcat in a game that, quite frankly, doesn't have that much significance except for Northwestern Illinois. <laughs> uh, my, uh, I, I'm bringing over the. I have the orange crush. My buddy's bringing the purple kush. We're partying all night tonight, coach. Watching this particular <laughs> game, I, I, I'm fired up for it. Okay, and trust me, there's going to be enough uh, point guard slapping the ground in this game uh, to keep you excited for uh-huh. two and a half hours. Speaking of point guards, speaking of point guards, watch Northwestern's freshman point guard. You know, I started off at a freshman, a true freshman starting in the Big Ten, pretty impressive. And I thought, you know what, this kid's he's not bad. And the more I've watched him, I've gone from not bad to he could be really good, and I think he's going to become better, better than Michael Thompson, who was a darn good point guard for the Wildcats. And, again, he's a true freshman. David Sobolewski looks like he's about 14 years old. He's got the baby face, but he plays with a cool and calm and suave, and he's starting to score a little bit, big dog. He'll be matched up against Illinois' senior guard, Sam Maniscalco. It's a good battle between two good point guards. Yeah, that should that should be an excellent battle, Coach. And Maniscalco has been up and down. He's the emotional leader uh, of the team. He's the leader of the team. His play has been up and down. So that that's going to be key for Illinois because against Purdue, Maniscalco did not look good in his first road Big Ten game. Well, the problem is, and it's, it's a chemistry thing again with Illinois. They thought they you know got over their chemistry problems with the talented group that left last year, but still. Under Bruce Weber, they've recruited talent, but it just isn't meshing. And you've got a fifth-year senior coming in from another school, his first year with the players, and now. But he's got a bit of a take charge attitude, mm-hmm. and he's not afraid to take the big shots. Well, all of a sudden, you're playing with guys who think it's their turn. I'm not saying the whole thing's falling apart, but there's a little bit of that with Brandon Paul, DJ Richardson, Sam Maniscalco. You got the young kids in it. Maybe it will come together for the Illini, but it hasn't yet. The chemistry just not a lot of talent, but the chemistry just not there yet. Oh, yeah, I'm, I, it's going to come together, Coach. Uh, this team has—I mean, it's going to be the, really the first time this team has played together. Is this this set of games so far the first ten this season? So uh, there are twelve or so that they're out mm-hmm. right about now. 
I, I still feel comfortable with it. There's one thing I know this team is, is they're not selfish and they're tough. So they're, the chemistry thing is going to come with this, with this team. The, the team last year would quit in a heartbeat. Oh, something went wrong? Okay. We're, I, seriously, they would fold like a chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This team won't do that. So I, that's why I'm really confident that that's not going to be an issue. Those things, the periphery that you have to worry about teams, like whether they get along and all that stuff, I, I don't see a problem with that with this team. Email coming in from Mish Mosh Molly. She points out she's a Northwestern fan, apparently. David Sobolewski, the freshman point guard, big dog. 14 uh, games. He sits out maybe 30 seconds a game, plays 40 minutes a game, almost regularly. 14 games, 12 turnovers total. True freshman. Oh, my goodness. Now, I know they have all their games haven't been against, you know, Ohio State, but 12 turnovers in 14 games for if you watch Northwestern play, the guy handles the ball a lot. Mishmash Molly, thanks for the uh, statistic, but that's that's really impressive. That, that's amazing, Coach. Cause, I mean, that really is amazing. I and mean, They've played a couple big ten games, including mm-hmm. at Ohio State. So... You can say not every game, but they have played at Ohio State. And heck, that should be three or four turnovers right there with Aaron Kraft, who's leading the Big Ten in steals. By the way, Aaron Kraft had about five more last night. So that that's really an impressive statistic. That's about as impressive as I've heard about a freshman point guard mm-hmm. ever. Sad note, by the way, in the world of college basketball, ex-Illinois coach, UCLA coach, a long time at UAB, I think also, but Gene yeah. Bartow. Gene Bartow, pretty classy guy, pretty good coach, passing away at the age of 80. One big dog. You remember Coach Clean Gene? Oh, absolutely. And you know what? That guy had his, had enough accomplishments and had enough prestige to be known as a force for being himself. You know, but it's funny is John Wooden yep. is such a powerful man, and and John Wooden is such a great man. I don't even think Gene Bartow minded the fact that Gene Bartow was more known now for being John Wooden's successor than anything he truly ever did as a coach, and that. It's not sad. It's just kind of ironic. Well, not ironic, but that's just how great John Wooden was. So, pretty cool. All right. Quick trivia question for you. If you get this one, you are truly a sick and a way too dilapidated college basketball fan. Who were the top two most famous assistants under Johnny Wooden? Um, under Johnny Wooden, well, I would have to say Denny Crum and Larry Brown would be the two top assistants yeah, under John Wooden. One out of two. Denny Crum is pretty big, Coach. Yeah, but Larry Brown, I, I would put Gary Cunningham. You remember him? Yeah, I, I know I know Coach Cunningham. Okay. But I, I, okay. So who would you take out? Well, the, the only reason was, I don't know, how, how long did Larry Brown serve? I don't remember Larry Brown being a longtime assistant under John Wooden. No, yeah, it was only like, yeah, you're right, like, okay. like three years. All right. <laughs> the phone number. College basketball right there. Oh, well, one other quick note, a bad week. Bad weekend, extended weekend, whatever you want to call for the Wisconsin Badgers. Not only did they lose Heartbreak uh, Hotel at the, at the Rose Bowl, uh, but in college basketball last night at the buzzer, they lose to Michigan State. They actually hit a three. It was overturned by the refs by a tenth of a second. Great game, but at home, the Badgers lose. So kind of a rough weekend, big dog, for our good friends up north of us. Yeah, Jordan Taylor took a shot. There was an offensive rebound by a by a Badger while they were down three after Draymond Green just missed a free throw on the other end. And I, I'm not sure who the, the Badger was. He ran past the three-point line, turned and chucked, and it went in. <laughs> and the, the problem was on the 
on the arena scoreboard, it said there was 0.2 seconds left. Mm-hmm. But on the scoreboard or the clock that is above the the basket, it said it was zero zero zero, and they they took the points off it. It didn't go to overtime. Bo Ryan, real classy, always. After the game, a little fatigued, <laughs> I mean perturbed, and uh, they asked him about it, and uh, basically he says, "Well, you know, I can't resort to violence." <laughs> <laughs> You know well, what, though, you know, and I used this term in the, in football earlier in the show, uh, over analysis, breaking it down too much. I love replay, but sometimes it goes too far in a situation like that. Guy makes a great shot at the buzzer, you know, thrilling moment for the fans, for the team, send it into overtime, and then, you know, we got to go to the replay and watch it 16 times to see it that, not second, but tenth of a second. I say here's an example, Big Dog, where the human element would have been just fine that shot was good. Let it go. Three pointer. Don't kill the excitement of the game. But it wasn't good. It was well, because that's, that's that's why we have replays yeah. and all that stuff. It's awesome. The, the if it was the, if it was a second replays nowadays is so uh, cool. It's, not not it's a, a tenth. Not a, not a tenth of a second. Not a tenth of a second taken away a last second shot. Sorry. It, it was point two. It was two tenths of a second. Ah, though. that makes a big difference. <laughs> Well, I don't know. The, the real story of the game last night, which I found hilarious, is there was a, a, a bad call against Michigan State. And next thing you know, the ref turns around and yeah. tees up uh, Michigan <laughs> State. Well, what happened was one of the fans right behind the Michigan State bench yep. yelled at the ref. The ref got so bad, he teed up uh, Tom Izzo. And yeah. I thought Tom Izzo handled it really, really classy because at halftime, they they asked him, you know, he was like, he's just like, I'm gonna let you know. I was telling the ref that it wasn't us. It was one of our Michigan State fans right behind us who was a little upset at the call. Didn't like, oh, we got to get the guy out of there. He didn't like overreact at the fan, which I thought was a really cool yeah. way to handle that coach. Technical on the booster. I did see that. It was humorous, and you're right. Izzo did handle it. Uh... And I couldn't quite figure out what was going on at first. Why he got the technical, and then the announcers explained it. And uh... One of the avid boosts, maybe the booster who got the T was one of the guys responsible for giving him the $75 million contract, so he can't get mad at the guy. <laughs> yeah, no, well, no. The, when they're sitting right behind Izzo at the Wisconsin game, Coach, yep. I, you got a point. I do think that guy's a little important in the Wisconsin uh, fans, by the way, the Badger fans, they are really, really into it. I mean, you see other crowds, you know, cheering and, and you know, and supporting their team and traveling, but Wisconsin's not only there in large numbers, the intensity upon which they cheer for their team, Big Dog, is possibly unequaled in college sports. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree that it's incredible. Uh, LSU fans are the most rabid fans in the world. Even, uh, but you know what? LSU doesn't have anywhere near as good a basketball program as, uh, as Wisconsin does. But it's up there, Coach. I mean, if you think about those schools, the way they act, I have to give you, I've gone to a Wisconsin football game and I was blown away. It was Wisconsin-Michigan State, and it was unrivaled for any college football game I've been to in terms of the atmosphere for how much those those mm-hmm. people love their football team. Hey, real quick, got about a minute. Give me a breakdown. I, you know, I only had so much time to watch when I got home last night. I went Michigan State-Wisconsin college hoop, and then the end of the college football game did not Watched the Bulls as badly as I wanted to. I know they only scored like 30 points in the first half. Came back, though, to win 76-74, and Derrick Rose and the Wall Dang went nuts in the fourth quarter. Give me a quick recap. 
they went absolutely nuts, and Tom Thibodeau uh, used a play that they've been working on in practice, basically a backdoor cut. So when four people fly to Derrick Rose, you have Joe Kim Noah throwing a backdoor cut to Luol Deng for a, for a lay, and so a phenomenal play by, by Thibodeau to, to use Rose as a decoy. Practice? And That's what they what came the, up with that play in practice? Yeah, they've been working on it like over practice. and over and over again, Just according practice? to Derrick Rose. Okay. And and according to Zebras, we got a few more. And coach, you know the, the the game before they played almost perfect and won by a million, and then this game they play horrible and win. So two good ways to start out their home season for them. And consider this: the forty-seven points they scored through the first three quarters of last night's game, according to the Elias Sport uh, Sports Bureau, is the lowest total ever for a team that won an NBA game. The forty-seven wow. points through three quarters. Wow! When you hear ever, and and by the way, excuse me, that's through the shot clock era. So with the shot clock era, I believe started with like fifty-four. Right around then, it's in the fifties. So it, it's been sixty years, around sixty years. Forty-seven points in the first three quarters, that's, and they got out a win. That's unbelievable. Even if I am somewhat skeptical of the people at the Elias Sports Bureau, I still think that's a cover-up for something much more mundane. All right, big dog, we got to wrap it up. Great job, as per always. By the way, David Olson informing us, not only Jerry Angelo out, not only Mark Mike Martz out, but Michelle Bachman out as a political presidential candidate. I know you're hard. I, I, I do believe I called that yesterday, didn't I? I do not recollect. Must have been on another radio show. Yes, it was. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, say goodbye, Joel. Goodbye, Joel. <laughs> Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening more. Inane Sports tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Don't be late. David Olson, producer, great job. We'll see you tomorrow.